Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hi, everyone. I'm, well... It's obvious. I'm John Verhoeven, and I was a cop back in the 80s in Sydney. And I'm Paul Verhoeven, John's son. I'm an author, and I wrote two books about Dad's time as a cop. The first five seasons of Loose Units spanned my time in general duties, forensics, my time as a firefighter, and even my stint running a funeral home. This season, we're visiting the locations of Australia's most notorious, baffling, horrific crimes, and looking at what happened there. From Snowtown to The Family... From the Morehouse murders to haunted highways. This season of Loose Units is your go-to guide to the worst crimes in Australian true crime history. Welcome to Loose Units, The Shadow Files. Hello and welcome to Loose Units, The Shadow Files. Back in 2010, a woman called Shannon Gilbert went missing in Long Island. And the circumstances under which she went missing we talked about last week on the show. But... In December 2010, while looking for Shannon's body, a uh, sniffer dog and a police officer found a body just off Ocean Parkway near Gilgo Beach. Now, uh, this woman, her name turned out to be Melissa Bartholomew, and later on, more bodies were found. These bodies are referred to as the Gilgo Beach Four, and they are the beginning of this case. This is such a terrifying story. Last week, we talked about the ways in which the search for Shannon Gilbert led to the finding of the Gilgo Beach Four. But Dad, I think it's fair to say that this story begins in earnest right now with these four women being found. First of all, I mean, last week we talked about the kind of, you know, the the unlikeliness of, uh, you know, one crime leading to another. I listened to the, to the 911 call that Shannon Gilbert made was like either 18 or 23 minutes, forgive me listeners, the actual length of which escapes me, but either way, I listened to the whole thing. And it seems so odd that the end of one crime dovetails so neatly into the beginning of another. So finding remains by the side of the road, the police sort of opened a Pandora's box, if you will. But I guess we should start with the first unfortunate victim. Her name was Melissa Bartholomew. Now, Dad, let's start talking about the victims here. Mm. Well, one uh, physical characteristic that uh, all the girls had mm-hmm. was that they were all um, very petite. They were they were young, and they're also, um, in terms of, they were. Uh, what's the best way of describing someone that's 
I mean, if I can give their sort of um, their imperial height as being well, um, Melissa's height was four foot ten. Yes. Um, you know, I mean, I don't. Isn't it funny in this age of correctness? One, I, here am I, sort of stumbling at the blocks, sort of because you can't really say short, can you? Can you? I don't know. Uh, but she was, you can listen. Well, one one thing that links all of these cases, apart from where they are found, and part of the reason that Shannon was and still is by some considered a possible link to these cases, beyond just the proximity uh, of where she went missing and where she was found, is the fact that she was also a sex worker who advertised her services online. In fact, that's how she ended up at the house where she had what could ostensibly be called a bit of a freak out because she said she was in danger and then she ran. Anyway, she was using a driver. Uh, she was delivered to the place. She advertised her services online. The thing about Melissa is that she was also a sex worker hmm. and uh, she was using a bunch of websites. She was using different aliases and uh, the primary website she was using was called Adult Friend Finder. Um she went by Very Sexy Chloe or Chloe on these websites and uh, she met clients all over the place. Obviously, uh, Long Island is, you know, it's a while away from New York, but she uh, would frequent different hotels and restaurants mm. uh, on in on Manhattan Island. Um, and so, yeah, there is an odd link there in that mm. both Shannon and Melissa were using these websites to advertise their services. Yes, that's right, yeah. Paul, but it's really, really important at this juncture to mm-hmm. talk about the physical stature of all the victims. And I've been thinking about this. Okay. And is it a, a thing where, because the suspect um, that we will get to in later episodes is a behemoth of a man. He's, if he were standing next to me and I'm six foot, he would pretty well tower over me. And he's also very large in terms of his body weight. And, you know, I'm thinking what goes through the offender's mind, bearing in mind this person um, has been arrested, is in custody, bail refused, but is still regarded innocent, okay? Very important to continually mention that. So does he choose a particular sort of body type because that turns him on that's his that's what he desires that's what he fantasizes about or more insidiously paul is he choosing very very slight young women because if there are any easy dramas to easy to hide easy yep, to and suppress, easy yeah. easy to kill mm-hmm. easy to kill it's it's just a weight thing i mean in in you know international sports for example boxing they have all the different weights, don't they? Mm-hmm. No, you don't have a heavyweight fighting a featherweight. It'd be laughable, and everyone would want would want their money back. <clears throat> I'm not sure what the rules are in karate, Paul. I mean, how, does it, do they have any weight rules? Uh, it's more age rules. Age, okay. right? So they they like to match you up with people in your age division or skill division. But the thing is, if you are an actual monster. Um, as this person has been referred to, if you mm. are ostensibly potentially a serial killer, I mean, he's mm. being referred to sometimes as the Long Island serial killer, then uh, if your type is a woman who can't fight back because she is literally so small, mm. it does it does add a kind of terrifying element Most to definitely. this. Most <clears throat> definitely. Imagine yeah. being of slight build, 
having this behemoth sort of you know on top of you it's it's terrible and and that also brings me to the the point that well for for example melissa you know there is that trait that they all advertised on certain platforms mainly craigslist and some of them use pseudonyms others use their real names but i'm just trying to imagine what it must be like for a sex worker and this applies to men as well in that you know you you can talk to the person you can get a bit of a vibe because the telephone is the first point of contact based on that you then decide whether or not to let them into the next step the next step being a hotel room or sometimes you know where you live and all of a sudden this person comes in and I mean what's going through your head in terms of what happens if you find the person physically unattractive Mm -hmm. and then you I guess you just have to there's a switch you must flick and you weigh up the the pros and cons knowing that at the end of the night all going well and on the balance of probabilities you will live through this experience as do most people you will end up with you know ostensibly you know i don't like to say i don't like to talk about the amount of money in terms of it being a lot or not a lot or good or bad because that i don't want to diminish the you know the sort of the value of the money versus the job description of course of I look course. We're, we're trading, um, you know yeah yeah it, look listen it's it's worth pointing out that let's so she was the first of the four found right so melissa was the first of the golgo beach four found so what i'd like to do quickly is just sort of just some dot points on uh, her last known movements to try and track where she was so it was uh, the july the 12th 2009 which my god feels like a long time ago so it's july the 12th 2009 and she tells a friend of hers that she's going to see a client now the friend knows that she's a sex worker so she's not hidden that fact she doesn't have many details there tells the friend she's going to see the client um it's been positive that it's possible she saw more than one client that night she pops 900 dollars into her bank account that's usd obviously tries to call an ex he doesn't pick up um then she checks her voicemail at two different motels um one is a budget in one is a best western at this point obviously um once she's been found the police are using cell towers to track her movements and they're trying to kind of fill this picture in. Then uh, she leaves her motel to head off to see this client that she mentioned to a friend of hers. She does have a pimp. Now, all jokes aside, the pimp's name is Johnny Terry, but uh, he's referred to as Blaze. And interestingly, uh, she actually has Blaze tattooed on her back. Now, I don't know if it's common practice to tattoo the name of your pimp on your back, but... uh, Melissa had several tattoos on her. She had um, a bunch of different things. She had the word focus tattooed on her. But yeah, the word blaze, the name of her pimp, tattooed on her back. I d- I'm not saying that's relevant, but she um, she gets offered a ride by blaze and she turns it down. She is uh, never seen again until, of course, they actually uh, find her body uh, on, mm. on the beach. Now, one of the things that really upset me about this part of the case, Dad, mm is that her mum reports her missing yep. on July the 18th. Okay, so that's just shy of a week, right? Uh, like I said, there have been cell phone pings in Manhattan, Freeport, Massapequa, which is where both the hotels I mentioned were. Mm. Um, they check the hotels. And then this is the part I really struggle with. Mm. So 
about a week after she goes missing, um, just after the time when the mum calls, uh, Melissa's sister starts getting prank calls um, from Melissa's uh, phone. Melissa had a burner, which I believe she used to organise these work calls, talk to Blaze, line up gigs, basically. So July the 16th, July the 19th, July the 23rd, she starts getting calls referring to Melissa um, in ways in which I'm just basically like terrible, terrible calls, taunting her, uh, calling her a half-breed. And they start tracing the calls and they trace them to uh, Madison Square Garden or thereabouts. So every time there's a call, the cops run there, but the caller keeps the um, calls below three minutes. Now, I don't know... Tracing calls is one of those TV and film tropes that I've never really bought into and I don't know how much, you know, um, credence can be put in those. You know, where they've got like the person on the other part of the side of the room going, oh, we almost had him. They're literally doing that. So they've got huge crowded areas, right? Someone is calling from crowded areas on Melissa's phone. Mm. The calls go for about, they continue for about five weeks. They start talking her sister through what was done to Melissa in graphic detail. Mm. Um, And and then... Yeah, and and yeah. also Paul, um, I'd like to <clears throat> quote from the um, one of the transcripts, okay? Um, and I'll use the actual words that the offender used um, in conversation to the sister. And he said to the sister, and I quote, "Are you a whore like your sister?" And then he said, which is even more disturbing, and I find this the most disturbing part of this particular um, this particular victim, is that he said in some detail that he was watching her sister's body rot. Okay? <clears throat> now, this is in the transcript, so this is not yes. hearsay. Yes. This is factual. Mm-hmm. Can you imagine being a relative... Uh, let alone a sister, receiving lots of calls from... For five a... weeks. For five five weeks, just... Yeah. And <sighs> it's, it's very, very disturbing. And, I mean, here we are. It's as... also, it, it, I mean, it's years later and I'm, I'm having trouble with this. So he's... He's telling Amanda what he's done to her. He says, and I quote, do you think you'll ever see her again? You won't. I killed her. Um, The mother and Amanda kept detailed notes of these calls, uh, gave those to the cops. The last call that they got, uh, the one that you mentioned about the body rotting, that was Mm -hmm. on August 26th in 2009. Now, obviously they found Melissa's body. It was the first one found and it was only because of the search for Shannon that Melissa's body was found when it was. Um, yeah, that's yeah. But the th- here's the thing: they found the body. They keep searching. They find another body on December the thirteenth, two thousand ten. Yeah, um, mm-hmm. she's tied up in uh, duct tape. Not unlike Laura Palmer. I mean, she's literally tied up in the scrub. Um, and her name was Amber Lynn Costello. So she's the second of the Golgo Four. Correct. Mm, yeah, and. Um... Must be. Um, have you seen any photographs of this particular stretch of road? It's um, pretty grim. It's grim. It's I said, like you said last last week. You said something fairly astute. You said that that long stretch of road would mean that you could see if a car was coming very Correct. very easily. Mm. And when you, you turn your car headlights, but, yeah, when you turn the car headlights off, there is zero. If it's dark night, if if there's no moon, or if, if it's cloudy, mm. there is yeah. 
zero light and all the bodies um mm. whilst we're talking about four victims uh, paul and listeners so far they have uncovered 18 bodies <clears throat> on that stretch so we mentioned that there were other serial killers working that that turf and it's very logical because when you pull up on the side of the road all of the victims we're talking about were found within 25 feet which is around about seven to eight meters it's 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 nothing it's speaking of um speaking of units of measurement dad you mentioned that this killer had a type amberlin costello second body found uh, a 27 year old heroin addict and sex worker she was four feet 11 so she fits very neatly into that type that you mentioned okay mm-hmm. and obviously when you are advertising your services, look, listeners, I'm not going to lie. I've not seen the, uh, it's not, it's not because I was trying to be needlessly grim that I was actually trying to find the original ads that they used, uh, the placement on, um, on Craigslist. I was trying to see how I basically was trying to figure out whether they mentioned their height in the ads, because that would tie into your theory. Right. So she was on Craigslist, as you mentioned, Uh, she was in a bunch of other websites. Her and her roommate were both, as I mentioned, heroin addicts. And part of the reason she was on these websites selling her services was to pay for their habit. Right. Mm. Yeah. Um, Yeah. But four feet 11, that is squarely within our killer's uh, type. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss plushcare.com slash weight loss quality sleep is essential that's why the sleep number smart bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature sleep number smart beds let you individualize your comfort so you sleep better together jd power ranks sleep number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in store and now save 50 percent on the sleep number limited edition smart bed for a limited time for jd power 2023 award information visit jdpower.com awards only at a sleep number store or sleepnumber.com one size fits all seems like a good idea for clothes until you try them on same goes for healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. Learn more at uh1.com. Mm. Yeah, it's pretty full on. Um, Amberlyn Costello, she actually met clients in her home. Okay, so oh, did she? Yeah. So what she did, she actually had a um, <clears throat> a bit of a scam going where she had um, some male roommates, okay? So mm-hmm. when Costello did, they're called in calls, and she also did out calls. Um, sometimes the client would come to her house and one of the, one of the, the male flatmates would then mm-hmm. come in just as they changed, like the money had changed hands. They yeah. hadn't started the you know, the acts, but 
the, the, the male sort of friend slash roommate would come in and say, and sort of act all surprised and go, this is, this is my girlfriend, what are you doing? And on this particular occasion, um, the offender, the suspect, had handed over the money, is confronted, and then he leaves the house. So money had changed hands, but nothing happened. So Dad, September the 2nd, 2010, was the last night that Amberlyn Costello was seen, which is um, about a year after the last victim yeah. went missing. Mm. So there's a bit of a, a bit of a gap between these people missing. Mm. Um, so she, uh, as you mentioned, used Craigslist, had a bit of a, a bit of a scam going, but uh, one customer basically started pestering her and offering her 1500 USD for her services. Mm. Uh, but one of the sad things about Amberlyn Costello is that uh, she was never reported missing. No. She was just found and then... So, yeah, she was found December 13th, 2010 on the north side of Ocean Parkway. Um, Now, hang on a sec, let me check this. Also, it's worth noting she didn't have her cell phone with her when she went missing, so they couldn't do things like, you know, ping cell towers and stuff. So, basically, she was kind of off the map at that point, but she was the second of the victims found on the beach. Mm. <clears throat> Paul, now, one of the troubling yes. things, again, I find out about these situations with serial killers, one thing yeah. that I just don't understand is the extraordinary gap between crimes. I ask myself, and as do police, because this particular investigation is now spreading out over America, because one has to hypothesise, of course, how can such a terrible criminal have such a gap in between the crimes i think the general idea the the general idea from what i've from my limited understanding is that a serial killer kills in order to satiate some deep-seated need they get their fix or whatever it scratches some itch it satiates them it calms them down it does what it's meant to and then they need to do it again to kind of chase that dragon and it starts becoming less and less effective so they basically have to do it more and more so the frequency ramps up at that point things like a latent guilt kicks in so they're not taking as much trouble to hide it all these i mean there are these patterns right that sort of emerge in this case though it doesn't seem like there is any real I don't know. I'll tell you what. Let's let's see if a pattern emerges after we've gotten to our um, third unfortunate victim. This is a 25-year-old, Maureen uh, Brainard Barnes. So Maureen is found. Uh, she is also, again, as the pattern, she is 4 feet 11 inches, same height as our last victim. She is also working online as a sex worker. Uh, she's using Craigslist and Backpage, which are websites that our last victim was also using. Um, she's also traveling under an alias. Uh, and she headed to Manhattan for a couple of days. Again, that same area, right, mm-hmm. in and around New York, yep. uh, to do some work and then head back home. Uh, she was using small, cheap hotels uh, to get her work done. She was 25 years old when she went missing, and she was actually from Connecticut, which is a much quieter area. So she copped the train in, right, to Manhattan to do work. But she had been through, like, a great deal of trauma, Um she had a whole bunch of bones already broken. So when they found her, uh, they'd found that she had, uh, you know, heel breaks and stuff. Basically, she'd been treated extremely, extremely terrible. badly. <clears throat> terrible, um, terrible. Just, just awful. And she was last seen July 9th, 2007, mm. uh, which is three whole years before she was found. Yeah. 
<clears throat> well, um, she would often work with another friend and they'd be operating out of these small hotels, as you said. One of them was called the Super 8 and the Red Roof Inn and the mm-hmm. Carter Hotel, all in Ma- Manhattan. And yep. she'd have a friend working in another room. So they were sort of, you know, I guess it gave them some solace that they knew that in that hotel there were at least, you know, a, there was a friend working as well. And they also used a male friend, okay, and they would refer to this person who was sort of their mind slash driver as their cousin, okay? So I guess they were sort of on the on the outside. It appeared that they were related that's the, the persona they wanted to have. They had a guy that was sort of, you know, sort of subtly in the background. And then on one weekend, this is the weekend that um, the girl Maureen went missing, she was supposed to go out with her friend, but the friend returned because they're both from Connecticut, which is a very, very, very affluent, very... You know, it's a an interesting part of America, Paul. <clears throat> and so the friend goes back to Connecticut and on the night of July the 9th, 2007, she says to her friend, instead of working from the hotel, in other words, an in-call, she was going to meet someone outside the motel and she says to her friend, you know, she's heading out on an out-call. And... You know, five days later, she was um, reported missing by a friend. Uh, and that's the last they uh, they saw of her. So... If this, is, if this is Sarah Carnes, so Sarah's her mate. And then three days after uh, Melissa goes... And then three days after Maureen goes missing, Sarah gets a call from a guy who apparently was very well spoken, um, who said that he actually saw her. Um, uh, and that he was calling from a brothel in Queens. Mm. And also in terms of the, um, we were talking about our first victim found uh, and the sister who was receiving these terrible calls. She described the voice of the guy who called as an older white guy. Now I know that doesn't really narrow it down, obviously, but mm. right now we've got odd calls being made. Although this, yeah. Odd, okay. Hmm. Because technically speaking, um, Maureen was actually killed before the first victim who was found. So we're almost going to need to like arrange these afterwards in some sort of order to see whether the methodologies changed. And I mean, obviously, this is stuff that the uh, police have done. Listen, let's head along to God. This is so grim. I'm because as we're doing this, listeners, we're scrolling through photos, not just crime scene photos, but also headshots. And, uh, you know, even just candids of these people, you know, smiling and frankly, he's still alive. And it's, it's fucking with me a little bit, frankly. Mm-hmm. The fourth of the Golgo Four, her name was Megan Waterman. Now, Megan was 22 at the time. Yep. Uh, she was last seen June 6th, uh, 2010. Now, she was from Maine, uh, which if you're a Stephen King fan is uh, where most of his stories are set. Beautiful, absolutely beautiful area. She was uh, from a town called Scarborough. She also used Craigslist and Backpage. She also used aliases. She also commuted into New York via a Concord railway bus um, uh, from Maine. Uh, And some people have said she may have done this with her pimp. I'm so curious about the pimp thing. 
I still can't well, get over the fact that our first. <clears throat> uh, yeah, I, look, it's yeah, a dri- I, it's a driver, it's yep. a friend, mm-hmm. and they came down together, and it's just good to know. Typewise, um, does Megan work? Because she's five five, which I know isn't. I know isn't tall, but four eleven and five five, there is a big difference there, height wise, isn't there? Mm. Yeah, interestingly, the boyfriend was um, was arrested and charged with interstate oh. trafficking of prostitutes in 2012. Mm. And he spent a few years up the river. Um, Didn't he, he um, try and kill someone? He was done for drug trafficking. He was... This is Akeem Cruz, right? Um, so Megan's 22. Her boyfriend's 20 years old. Obviously, yeah. So, um, yeah. I guess it I'm makes looking... sense if you're living out of town. If you're going to, yeah, yeah. you know, do that as a job, it's, it makes sense to travel into a big city. You've got anonymity, which is a double-edged sword. Mm-hmm. It's it's a positive in that it's you're not going to, on the balance of probabilities, bump into anyone you know. I mean, how embarrassing being in a, a country town. Oh, and I all, see. All so of it's a sudden, a, yeah, you know, the, the school yeah, yeah, principal yeah. knocks on the door. Which yeah, is possible. yeah. So, but it's don't shit where you eat, basically. Exactly. So, so you go into cruise, the city, head yeah. in. Yeah, you do, you do your work. Uh, you grab a hotel, um, like a cheap hotel, and you work from there, basically. Yeah. So, it's worth it. It is worth pointing out, Dad, that as you as you mentioned, um, her boyfriend Akeem Cruz was uh, he was ruled out as a suspect later on. Yeah. Uh, although he he did land twenty months for, as I mentioned, drug trafficking, but that was back in Maine. So. We could, I think it's fairly safe to rule him out as a suspect, but uh, he was not, by all accounts, a uh, particularly good dude. Um, you know, very threatening, scary guy. So, Megan Waterman, right? She gets yep. found. Um, she is 5'5". Five five. She is slightly bigger. She weighs more, uh, but she is found right near the other three. Okay? Yep. Um, she went missing June the 6th, 2010, as I mentioned, uh, which is six months before her body was found. So, she's... Time-wise, she's the most recent to die in proximity to when they were found. So actually, when it comes down to forensic evidence, that's the shortest window. So I'm assuming um, forensics would be able to ascertain a lot more from her body given how recently she was buried. Is that correct? Or, or is there a certain point past which it's all just sort of academic? Now, Paul, what about the situation where on one of those evenings there hmm. was... One of like the the minder yep. uh, slash boyfriend actually actually they had an encounter with the guy, and and they gave they got an incredible description of this person. It was an incredible Wait, what? Extra- yeah an, an extraordinary description. This is one of the terrible I, things about this. Apologies, case. I, I I there uh, there is so much material here. I somehow missed that. I'm glad you caught that. Can you talk us through this? Mm. So on one occasion, the and I'm not quite sure which victim it is. I have a feeling it was the woman who you recall earlier on. There was the the scam. Yes. Where a a boyfriend would come in and oh, Amberlyn Costello. Yes. Correct. So yes. what happened that mm-hmm. night and on a, on on an occasion that we haven't mentioned, Paul, is everything that we discussed transpired. But what happened was the offender, the suspect then called her the following night and said, I 
feel as though you ripped me off. I have a credit with you now. And what happened was they agreed to meet again. But on the first night that the... Because obviously the girl then vanishes for good. So the, the minder then realises that this, this big guy, um, you know, is clearly or possibly connected to the girl's disappearance. And what he says to the police, because very cunningly, he, on the first time that the scam was instigated, the minder went outside and got a very, very good description of the or of a motor vehicle then the second night that the girl decided to hook up with this same client because he had called her back and said because he'd paid for services that were not he didn't get anything and he drove i believe oh yeah so is this when the witness mentioned seeing uh, a chevy avalanche correct correct pull up uh yeah so this Okay, so it was basically seen outside her home around, which is where she did her work, around the time. Okay, okay. Correct. And Paul, the description of this guy, six foot four, six foot five, 240 Mm. pounds, which is well over 100 kilos, sort of fairly bushy hair. And something that Mm. I found quite fascinating is that he wore oversized, that described as 1970s, um, prescription glasses. Yeah. So, um, and was, I was described. Thinking... He was described as uh, an ogre, and given yeah. that we've had police officers working on the case refer to him almost off the record as uh, a monster, that mm. does seem like an interesting. But this is just a suspect, by the way. At just this point, we still don't know. No. And next week, what we're going to do is look into all of the other bodies that were found and start to piece through what happens next, because mm. this is an ongoing saga. Obviously, these bodies are found back around 2010 a long time ago so the question is what happened between then and now and how did we get a suspect in custody so that's gonna be next week's episode of loose units the shadow files but we hope you've enjoyed is the wrong word but we hope you found it interesting it is so graphic and sad looking through missing persons um files you know literally on the police commissioner's website just going through all these candidates, looking around crime scene photos, the brush on Ocean Parkway where they found the bodies. These are lonely, terrifying places, and it is so sad that these women were found here. And it's just... I think the only reason I agreed to actually do this story, Dad, was that I was was beginning from the point of they, they probably got the guy, mm-hmm. right? Now, obviously, there's been no conviction, but the fact that they've probably got the guy and the fact that evidence seems to be mounting up means that at least there's going to be some modicum of, if not justice, then some degree of closure. So yeah. next week we will continue our look at this terrible, terrible case. Dad, I, I, are you doing okay? Are you? Are no, you I'm good. I'm, I'm trying to think about what it must be like to be um, the, the suspect's legal team, what it must be like for them. Right. I just, I just, I've tried over the years to get my head around it. And we do touch on this topic occasionally, but I just don't. I feel as though, oh God, you know what would be great, Paul, if we could get um, a very senior barrister, or I'll I'll see if I can work on it. I'd really, really love to get um, 
a very senior defense lawyer on the show and interview them. And just go, hey, just how that, do you defend people when you know? Yeah, it'd be so fascinating. Um, yeah, I think... But there, yeah. we would have no criminal justice system if we didn't, if it wasn't balanced. And I think it's very, very important. So from that perspective, these defense councils are doing an incredibly important job, aren't they? Particularly if it turns out the person's innocent. Unlike certain places around the world where you don't get a defence attorney appointed to you, and if you do, if you're lucky enough to, it it could be just sort of marking time and going through due process, but the end result is always the same. There are yeah. places in the world where, where you know, I mean, honestly, it's so important, yeah. but it of would course, be very, very interesting to to get an opinion from yep. from that from that side. I'd, I'd really like it. Agreed. Well, let's dig into that. But in the meantime, everyone, we hope you, um, again, I hate using the word enjoy, but we hope you got something out of this episode of Lucy and the Shadow Files. Next week, we're going to continue our look at the story of the unfolding, ongoing, unconvicted, in-progress story of the Long Island serial killer and the Gilgo Four. But in the meantime, we are also going to be back at the end of the week with a... Uh, hopefully fairly chipper episode of Loose Units, Loose Ends. But in the meantime, thank you so much for listening to another episode of Loose Units. I'm Paul Verhoeven. That's my dad, John Verhoeven. Wave, dad. Cheerio. He's waving. There we go. He's waving. We'll We'll see you soon for more Loose Units. Bye, everyone. Cheerio. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quinn's. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Summer's just around the corner, so give your body the care it deserves with Osea's best-selling Andaria Algae Body Oil. Created by infusing Andaria seaweed in barrels of botanical oils, it leaves skin silky soft and glowing. Plus, it's clinically proven to improve elasticity and deeply moisturize without feeling greasy. It's safe, clean, vegan skincare. Get 10% off your first order at oseamalibu.com with code GLOW, plus free shipping on orders over $60.